It's so good to be with everyone this evening. We want to, again, reiterate we are so thankful for our visitor to come our way and hope that when you are in the area, you will stop by. And, and thank you, Joseph, for taking on that longer than normal reading. I appreciate it. it looking out there tonight, we are so close to being back uh, when the um, Ferrises get uh, back later this week. So we uh, back to full strength and it will be I uh, hope they're having a wonderful time, but it'll be good that we're all back together soon. On Wednesday night, as many of you know, we are going through the book of Exodus. And we stopped and paused as we ended this previous class, and we talked about some things that were going on between Moses and Pharaoh. We've been talking about why and what caused the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, and this difference in respect of authority that God provides. In addition, I am so grateful for Jacob's lesson series that he is doing on the importance of the home because we look in our world today and we see that that is, without a doubt, the root of many of the problems that we are witnessing. If we tie all that together... We need to be honest about a very important topic that the Bible has a lot to say. And that is, as Christians, as those who walk in the light, there's a guarantee that we will face suffering, persecutions, and tribulations. It is talked about often and regularly for all those who would separate themselves from the world. And God does this so that we're not caught off guard. So that we're prepared when these moments and times come that we have already built a foundation to face those activities, actions against us, or just life. And that we can stand strong. That we do not waver. So we're going to look at this topic tonight. And it's been a good topic for me to go back and review. And I hope it will be good, uh, a good one for everyone here tonight. And that you too will be uplifted, re-energized, and refocused of the task that we have before us. The first thing I'd like us to look as we think about this suffering while walking in the light is that we are commanded to walk in the light. This starts with Jesus in John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We are required to follow Jesus, to be in the light. In contrast, we are to be away from, get away from, and, and along with our lesson uh, a few weeks ago, to abhor, resist, and flee sin, evil. In Matthew 5, we continue this idea of being in the light. It's a very common passage that we've known um, 
if you've been in the church for any amount of time, uh, verse 15 through 16. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to let our light shine. There is no option of how often. Oh, at this time it's okay. We can let it distinguish. No one else is around that may see what we're doing. We're in a different state. We're in a different country. doesn't matter. No one can see what we are about. It's not what God says. God says that our light is to shine at all times. It is in the form of a command. And how do we let our light shine? By our good works. And so many people want to say, oh, that's just the example we live. We have looked at this time and time again. Good works is, includes that, but is much more than that. and includes the things that we leave undone. It in, we need to, uh, for example, when uh, certain activities and immoral um, things are being discussed with friends, families, or co-workers, are we keeping silent or are we professing the gospel? Are we sowing the seed? Are we taking action when there's availability to do something, to be workers in the kingdom, to help others when they're sick, and so many more? But what is the problem with the light? We haven't got to that point. We know we're supposed to be in the light, but what is this contrast with light and darkness? Let's look over at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Here we start to get a glimpse of why we will face these persecutions, sufferings, tribulations. It gives us a glimpse of a battle between light and darkness. And we're going to see that more here in just a few moments. But the darkness does not like their deeds to be shown or exposed. We have to ask ourselves, if we keep our mouth shut, are we exposing anything? Surely our actions can demonstrate that we are different. But this is a matter of eternal life and death, eternal heaven or hell. We should be willing to speak out when we see those things that would condemn one's soul. And because those of us here want to walk in the light, we want to be with our Father in heaven. We must accept the other truth that is a part of our title. And that is suffering is a guarantee for those whom seek God over all else. Suffering is guaranteed for God's people. Let's just look at four quick examples that demonstrate this. 
The first is in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 we read, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Suffering is to be granted to those that seek Christ. We further go on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. Here we read that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. We are appointed for afflictions. We continue reading 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Here we read that persecution is guaranteed for the faithful that seek to live godly in Christ Jesus. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 22. We read, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Here we see that it is necessary for us to endure tribulations. Just think about the list we just went through. The examples given to those that are faithful if you were to turn on the TV and you were to see large megachurches scattered around the country preaching any sermon on any day, I would be shocked if the four points that we have just went through were highlighted to any significant degree. Many of those guys go on to TV and are brought in and, uh, for controversial topics uh, such as homosexuality or abortion or you name it. And they say, we don't, we don't talk about those things here. We just talk about the goodness that we read in the Scriptures. And we clearly believe that all good things come from God and that the Bible is full of those things that are good for us. But we're also needing to understand that God said there's going to be suffering. And we're going to see here by the end of this lesson that that is good for us. It serves an important purpose. And God has a lot to say about that. Let's continue and let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 through 14. Let's think about the difference in what the quote-unquote religious world will discuss and what God is trying to tell us with these guarantees of suffering, tribulations, and persecution, persecutions. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can we know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Notice in verse 14 what is said. 
In verse 14, it says, The things of God are foolishness to the world. This includes topics on modesty, alcohol, the approach to worship, where we go and what we do. I, I was in um, traveling and uh, it got into a discussion and was talking about, well, we won't take our children to X location because of the environment that it puts them in. And the immediate response could be clearly seen that, yes, I, they're little kids. And I took the moment to take a pause and say, no, we, we won't go as adults either. Why would I want to um, uh, put myself in a situation if I'm not even willing to allow my kids to be there? We should discern. We're going to be looked at as peculiar, strange when it comes to moral values. And yes, even this topic on suffering and persecution. We just read in Philippians and 1 Thessalonians, 2 Timothy and Acts 14, that suffering is granted, afflictions are appointed, persecutions are guaranteed, and it will be necessary for us to endure tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The question is, have we been living in such a way that we're not only going through these situations, that we're told that those that are faithful to God will, but that we're prepared to go through them? And with that, let's recognize one more thing before we look at what God has to say why we will go through these, um, uh, these uh, encounters. And that is, God loved us so much that He has prepared for us that this was going to happen. In our scripture reading, we read in John 15, 18 through 27, and we won't re-go through this passage, but there was a word that kept coming up. And, and usually when you see a word that keeps showing up in scriptures, it's not on accident. There's a word on the presentation here that occurs eight times. And that word is hated. Or some variation of hate. The Greek word here literally means to hate, pursue with hatred, to detest. We see how Jesus was treated, and we can understand what that word hate means. And what does Jesus tell us in John chapter 15 at the end of the chapter, 18 through 27? If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. That means... The world is going to pursue with hatred and detest the light. So when this happens, we do not need to be surprised. We need to expect it, to be ready for it, to face it. That also means we need to speak about our love for the light. It's easy for us to often talk about um, sports or hobbies that we enjoy. But when someone brings up a topic and they want to freely profess their opinions in front of an audience, 
Are we calculating who's there? Will that impact my promotion capability? Will that hurt someone's feeling if I open up the Bible and reference the scripture just to throw that on the table along with everything else being said? Or are we timid? Do we not want to be hated? Jesus never wavered when he was faced with the opportunity to speak and impact people's souls. They have to make the decision, but so do we. We have to make the decision to speak and to let our light shine as we read back in Matthew. And then we go into John chapter 16. It's one of those weird kind of breaks because 16, 1 through 4 really should be a part of the first chapter. Uh, I'm sorry, of chapter 15. But let's read 16, 1 through 4 because it gives us a little bit more of an understanding of what Joseph read for us and this idea of hating and why this is in the scriptures. John chapter 16, 1 through 4, we read, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Okay, let's read that one more time. Verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Verse 3, and these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Makes John 16, 1 through 4, really helps us understand what our scripture reading was in John 15, 18 through 27. Jesus did not want his disciples to stumble when he they started to being killed just like they killed the Messiah, Christ. What does the word stumble mean that we read about in John 16, verse 1? Thayer's defines it to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey, to cause to fall away, and in the passive, to fall away. That is why we are told what is going to happen to the faithful that give their lives to God. God did not want us to stumble. But we further read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3 that Jesus didn't want us to be shaken. Let's look at verse uh, 3 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are, were appointed to this. Shaken by is defined by Thayer's lexicon to agitate, disturb, to trouble. So Jesus wanted us to know that we would face afflictions, tribulations, 
persecutions and sufferings so that we would not stumble, that is to fall away, or that we would not be shaken, that is to disturb or make trouble. If Jesus is writing this and God is giving it to us in the Bible, who else knows about this and is trying to cause these things to happen? Satan. Satan is the one who is creating these situations in our lives that cause suffering, tribulations, afflictions, and persecutions. And we need to be prepared. We need to understand that this is a part of our walk and that we will be faced with them. So now we get to the question of why. We've, we've started down that path. We have seen that Jesus and, and God did not want us to stumble or to be shaken. But there are many, many reasons that are explained to go against God in general and that are given, and it has perplexed a lot of people why suffering exists from a God that is righteous, that is holy, that is pure. And if we're left to our own logic, we will get ourselves into a mess just about with anything in our lives. We need to go to God's Word. Jeremiah tells us in chapter 10 and verse 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not within, is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So to answer these questions, we need to go to God's Word. And the first thing I would like us to look at is that this suffering while we walk in the light is a result of the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare. Remember in Daniel chapter uh, 11 and 12, we were talking about this spiritual warfare that then we went to Revelation and we looked at there's a spiritual warfare going on. And then we said, there's got to be, and there was a, a simple passage that we could go to that gives us some insight. There's a lot of questions. We, we only know what the Bible has told us. But in Ephesians 6, Chapter 10 and verse 13, this is the prelude to the giving of the armor of God. This is where we hear about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, the girdle of truth, the sandals of peace. But leading up to that, and the one that my kids always say, and the one that the seventh one nobody remembers, that's prayer. That's how all of this ends. And that's a vital tool in our armor of God. But as we get to the beginning, God introduces why He has provided this armor for us. And in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 through 13, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, 
to stand. We read that we're wrestling with the principalities against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness. Furthermore, we see that Satan is de developing deceitful plans to attack us. But God is saying that he has given us the armor and warning so that we can, in verse 11, to stand, and in verse 13, to withstand, and at the end of verse 13, to stand once again. Was it an option to stand in this passage? No. Was it an option to put on the armor of God? No. Was it an option to sit out the battle? Any battle that we're faced? No. God has given us a way to bear with these challenges we face. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, I'm sorry, I don't think I have that one on the screen. Uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way for escape that you may be able to bear it. We've not been left unknown, but we have been told we will face these tribulations and these sufferings. Next, from our passage earlier this evening, we read that we were, it is required to go through these tribulations to enter the kingdom of heaven. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue into the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We have to navigate tribulations in our lives persecutions, afflictions, and sufferings. It's the only way that we can get to heaven. Next, I would like to propose that it is to provide us a gained perspective. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at these things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I don't think any of us here would refer to the persecutions that the apostles were facing, including the loss of their life, as light. But this is how they viewed what they had to endure. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Because they had a different perspective. The result, a renewal of the flesh day by day. They realized they were working for something much, much greater. We can see this further illustrated in James chapter 4, verse 14, where it says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is in your life, it is even a vapor that appears a little time and vanishes away. The apostles understood that the world was temporary, as Paul stated in 2 Corinthians, and that there was something much greater waiting for the faithful. These men had been transformed. They didn't look at the physical world as what it is all about. 
Instead, they had set the physical world aside and they were workers in the kingdom of God, spreading the gospel and doing what God had wanted and said. They were true servants of God. Next, it sows the seeds of compassion when we go through sufferings, persecutions, afflictions, and tribulations. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. For in that He, that is Jesus, Himself has suffered, being tempted, He is able to aid those who are tempted. As you have lived your life, as you've experienced sufferings, tribulations, afflictions, and persecutions, how are you now more prepared to see it going on in someone else's life? To stop what you are doing, all that is going on in your life, and to be there for them. Going through it ourselves helps us to be more compassionate. And here we read with Jesus in Hebrews chapter 2 talking about how He had to come to this earth and suffer and the role that He now serves on the throne. Next, we could see that it produces a more genuine faith that obtains and leads to an incorruptible inheritance. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, we read, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us to, again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that in the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It states that these tests are just for a little while. That we would be grieved through these trials. Thayers defines this as thrown into sorrow to cause grief. But this will demonstrate the genuineness of your faith to be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ for those who face these challenges and keep the perspective that it's just for a little while. That we are here but just but a vapor. And that we are looking to something that is eternal, our home in heaven. And lastly, suffering while walking in the light demonstrates to us the development of perseverance, character, and hope. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce 
per perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. The, this level of rejoicing that is mentioned in the fact that Jesus died for your sins, that we now have that grace, is the same Greek word, rejoice, in our tribulations. And what was the purpose of that? So that we would develop perseverance, character, and hope. In essence, as we discussed this morning in Daniel chapter 12 in our Bible study, that we would be more refined. We often read Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 as we conclude these ideas and thoughts and discuss the idea of what it means when it says we have been transformed. And Romans 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm not aware of another subject in the Bible that so clearly identifies this concept of being transformed as the idea of suffering, persecutions, tribulations, and afflictions. If we have been transformed, then the things we read about tonight, the scriptures we have looked at, won't scare us. They won't make us fearful of what lies before us on this earth. We will face them just like the apostles did and so many disciples before us. We will keep our head down our hands on the plow, and we will work in the kingdom of God until He returns. So suffering while walking in the light, I think is an important lesson for us all to think about and to reflect on regularly. We are commanded to walk in the light, and that triggers a conflict between light and darkness. Suffering as we Saw is guaranteed for God's people. But God loved us. We're not left to be surprised that this is what we signed up for. We have seen so many examples and there are so many more that warns God's people there will be tribulations, persecutions, afflictions, and suffering. We looked at and we reviewed some reasons that these exist that we would not stumble and that we could stand and that we would not be shaken. This is the result of a spiritual battle, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 6. It's required to go through tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. It's so that we can have a gained perspective, that we can have compassion when our fellow, fellow brethren and sisters go through difficult times. It produces a more genuine faith and it develops perseverance, character, and hope. Similar to our study with Exodus and Moses and the conflict with Pharaoh, God informed Moses of what he was getting into 
each and every time before he entered and, and approached Pharaoh. God has done the same for us and with the tribulations, the suffering, the persecution and afflictions that we will face. Will we follow the path of Pharaoh who rebelled against God's authority due to his own pride? Or will we follow the example of Moses and faithfully serve God until we are no longer here or he returns again? We offer the invitation for anyone who needs to respond to the, the lesson that was given or to anyone that has realized that there's a fault in their life and it needs to be corrected publicly. Let us stand as we sing the invitation song.